Today's scripture reading is from Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the ministration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given, to me, given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the ministration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. So in this uh, passage, the Apostle Paul is expressing his amazement at God's plan to reach the world through the gospel. He's just, he's amazed by this. You can tell by, by the wording of this. It's just very complicated grammatical structure and dense uh, vocabulary. He's just, he's almost gushing out this great amazement. And to, to break down his thoughts here and kind of give us some handles to, to catch on to what he's saying, I'm going to ask us to consider three short phrases. Right, three phrases. Each phrase has two words, and I think that these phrases will help us to get a sense of what's being communicated here. So the three phrases are all people, one people, one person. Those three phrases, all people, one people, one person. So we'll start with all people. So one of the things that amazed Paul and the other early Christian leaders was their discovery that God's grace in Christ is offered to all people everywhere. No matter uh, who they are, no matter where they've come from, no matter what they've done or failed to do in life, God's, God's grace is offered to all people and to all kinds of people in Christ. Now, where this truth impacted the early church the most was in their discovery that God wanted them to share the gospel of Christ with Gentiles, with non-Jewish people. You see, in the, in the early days of the Christian movement, the church was comprised entirely of Jewish men and women. All the early Christians were Jewish. And as Jewish people, they were accustomed to thinking of Israel as the chosen people of God. And listen, Rightly so. All right, th throughout the days of the Old Testament, it's not that God didn't care about other nations in the world. It's not that God was ignoring the other peoples on, on the earth. But throughout the days of the Old Testament, the locus point of God's redemptive work in this planet 
was, was focused exclusively on the ethnic people of Israel. That's where God was at work. So, for example, Moses said in Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, Moses said, The Lord your God has chosen you, Israel, out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, to be his people, his treasured possession. King David said in 2 Samuel 7, he said, Who is like Israel, the one nation on earth that God went out to redeem as a people for himself, to make a name for himself, and to perform great and awesome wonder. So throughout the Old Testament, the descendants of Abraham, the people of Israel, they were the chosen people of God. And then the Messiah was born. And suddenly, like we saw earlier in the service, God starts calling Gentiles with a star in the sky, these, these pagan astronomers from the east, God starts calling the nations from distant lands to come to Bethlehem to worship the Christ. That's what you see at the very beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, God calling the Gentiles to come to, come to Jesus. At the end of Matthew, you see Jesus sending his disciples to go reach the Gentiles, to reach the nations. He says to them, go and make disciples of all nations, all the Gentiles, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then if you read on in the New Testament, you come to the book of Acts, and here's what amazed the early church. They saw the Holy Spirit falling with power on Gentiles, and they began to speak in tongues, just like the early Hebrew believers did. So, this was what they were discovering, that God's message of salvation through Christ was for everyone in the world, all people. Paul says that here in verse 5 and 6. He says, It has been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets that through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together of the promise in Christ Jesus. So this just amazed them to discover that God's grace is offered to all people. Now, today, that doesn't surprise us that much, does it? Doesn't surprise you to hear that Gentiles can be Christians? In fact, in most churches in the world, most of the members of the church are Gentile. We have two or three in the church today who are Jewish believers in Christ, but most of us are Gentiles, right? It doesn't surprise you to know that the church of Christ is all over the world. You, if you hear that there's a church in China or a church in Nigeria, a church in Ecuador, it doesn't surprise you. We're just, we're accustomed to these things. But listen, still, it's easy for us to overlook the fact that God's grace is for everyone, offered to everyone. It's, it's so easy for us to kind of dismiss certain kinds of people, just write them off as a, unreachable. She'll never come to Jesus. He would never believe the gospel. People like that, I'm not even, even going to bother to pray for them. They're just out of God's reach. It's easy to do that. And if we, if we ever start to feel that way, we should remember what, what it says, Romans 1 verse 16, it says the gospel is the power of God for everyone who believes. Just another way of reminding us that there is no one beyond the reach of the grace of God. When, when I was in college back in the early 80s, a, uh, a Christian sociology professor from another university was visiting our campus, and I heard him give a, give a speech, and he was talking about 
how he had been working with a group of Christian colleges, uh, Christian students at his, at his campus, and they had been studying together the impact of the policies of multinational corporations on impoverished people in the develop, developing world. And so specifically, they had been studying these really horrible cycles of poverty that were created in Haiti and in the Dominican Republic because of the policies of this one corporation, Gulf Western Corporation. And so what these students did was they saved their money and each one of these college students bought one share of stock in Gulf Western. And as shareholders, they were now entitled to go to the annual corporate shareholder meeting. So they all, I guess they got in a van, these college students, they rode to this uh, fancy uh, auditorium and they went to this, this shareholders meeting. They listened to the CEO and the CFO give their presentation on how the company was making profits and all the, the way that the stock was increasing. And then during the Q&A time, any shareholder could come up to the mic and speak. So these college students went up to the Mike, in front of all these people, opened their Bibles and read verses from the Bible that talk about God's love for the poor and God's hatred of oppression and God's concern for injustice. They just read from the Bible and they sat down. After this, the shareholders meeting, some of the officers from Gulf Western Corporation approached these college students and basically said, what was that all about? And they explained to them that they had been studying the impact of this company's policies on poor people in these Caribbean nations. And these officers invited them to a meeting. They said, we'd like to know more. And they set a date. They, they prepared their, their presentation, and these college students went to this big corporate conference room where all these men in expensive suits were sitting there listening to them. They, they explained to them how the policies of this company were, were just in increasing the level of poverty in these nations and how if they would just change their policies, they could, they could help people. And they talked about how this really, really matters to God. And, and when these wealthy corporate capitalists heard that, you know how they responded? They repented. They changed their corporate policy. They changed their practice, even though it, it meant a decline in their profits so that they wouldn't be increasing poverty. And they made a commitment as a company to invest money in, in uh, education, in health care. And over the next five years, the Gulf Western Company gave away a half a billion dollars to the Dominican Republic to helping the poor there. That's just an amazing story. And here's the part I remember. After he told us this story, this professor looked at us and he said, to paraphrase, he said, never underestimate the power of God's word. Never underestimate the power of God's grace to change people. He said something that kind of convicted me. He said, if, if you hear about somebody who's down and out, hearing the gospel and coming to Jesus. It doesn't surprise you. A homeless person came to Jesus. Doesn't surprise you. A gang member comes to Jesus. Doesn't surprise you. But he said, did you know that God's grace can transform anyone, even wealthy corporate executives? This is kind of the, the, the trembling of discovery that the early church was happening as, the, as they were looking at the Gentiles, these pagans, these idolaters, these colonizers, these oppressors the ones who had oppressed the people of God for years. 
We're coming to Jesus Christ and joining the covenant people. And so this is what Paul's just delighting in. Verse 8, he says, although I am less than the least of the Lord's people, it's nothing special about me. I'm no better than anyone. He says, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. The gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. So one phrase to get a a sense of what Paul's saying here is all people. God's grace is offered freely in Christ to all people. The next phrase is one people. When God reaches us through the gospel, he doesn't save us as individuals, right? He doesn't doesn't save us even as members of our tribe. Each one of us finds our way to heaven on our own or with our little group on our own. No, no, no. Listen, when God reaches us through the gospel, he unites us together as one people in Christ. You see that in in verse 6. This is the mystery that through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Members together of one body. Sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. You'll notice the repetition of the word together, right? See, in, in, the, uh, in the days of the early church, in the days of the apostles, they, they, they didn't have one church for Jewish people over here, and then down the street, another church for Romans, and then across town, a church for the Samaritans, and then up the hill, the church for the Greeks. Now, that, that never would have even occurred to them. They, listen, they were together. Paul, Paul talks about this in the chapter right before this. In, in Ephesians 2, verse 15, he says this, Christ's purpose was to create in himself one new humanity. One new humanity out of the two, out of Jews, out of Gentiles, thus making peace. It's like he's saying Christ came to make a whole new kind of people that you can't categorize in the old ways. Now, in, in the generation of Christians after Paul, a Greek philosopher named Aristides, Aristides of Athens, in his writing, he called Christians a third race. Imagine someone asks you, hey, what is your racial background? And you say, Christian, right? He, he called Christians a third race. And here's what he wrote. He said, yes, there are Hebrew Christians, but they no longer hold on to their Jewishness as if that's the core of their identity. And yes, there are Gentile Christians, but they no longer worship the pagan gods like the rest of the Gentile world. He said, Christians, they're not really Jewish. They're not really Gentile. They're a third race. Or as Paul said, a new humanity. So, so God's grace is offered to all people, but when God's grace reaches us, he saves us as one people, right? He unites us together as one people in Christ. Now, sadly, I'm sure you know, the church of Christ has not always valued that unity, have we? Martin Luther King very famously said, one of the tragedies of our nation, he said, one of the the shameful tragedies is that 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America. We we, we forget that we are one people in Christ. And instead, we we try to gather with our 
our own kind, right? People who look like us, people who dress like us, people who maybe are in the same age bracket as we are, the same marital status, or maybe we'll want to be with people who vote for the same political party as we do. We, should, we forget this beautiful work of Jesus, that in Christ we're one. And Paul would say here that to forget that is a tragic mistake. Verse, verse 10, there's something that Paul says that just makes me scratch my head and wonder, what is he talking about? This is so mysterious. He, here's what he says. He says, God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. This is kind of mysterious. He, seem, he seems to be saying that when, when Christians of different ethnicities or different backgrounds or different political uh, uh, commitments, when, when Christians who are different unite together in Christ, the angels in heaven and the demons in hell sit up and take notice. This is, especially the demons in hell. They're like, we are in trouble now. Look what's happening. Look what's going on. People who used to hate each other now love each other, and glory is given to God, right? So, so one scholar writing on this verse said, the presence of the church, the body of Christ, means that the authority of the demonic powers has been broken. Isn't that good news? And they, they cannot hinder the, the, the progress of the gospel, and all things are to be subject to Christ. And then the, the scholar writes this, such assurances should encourage believers as they engage in spiritual warfare and await the final day. So, three phrases, all people, gospel's for everyone, one people, Christ unites us, all people, one people, and then the third phrase, one person. God's, God's grace is offered to all people. God's grace unites us as one people. God's grace saves us through one person. You see that in verse 11. Paul writes this, God's eternal purpose is accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me repeat that. God's eternal purpose is accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, meaning that God saves people and rescues people and transforms people and unites people through one person, one person only, Jesus Christ, God's Son. See, the, the gospel tells us that Christ Jesus came into this world, was born of a virgin, lived among us, died on a cross, rose from the grave. Why? To unite heaven and earth in perfect harmony and, listen, to restore anyone who trusts in him to a, to a right relationship with God. Look, at, I, I love verse 12, probably my favorite verse in this whole passage. Verse 12, the apostle writes this, in him, it's talking about Christ, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. The word that's translated freedom could be translated boldness. I love, Sonny, at the end of your prayer, you say, we offer these prayers with boldness, right? So, so what the apostle's saying here is that when we approach God trusting in Jesus, even if we feel like we've messed up so many things in, their li in our lives, when we approach God trusting in Jesus, listen, we have absolutely nothing to fear. Our shame is gone. 
Our guilt is atoned. Our failures are forgotten. So we approach God through faith in Christ just with this, this confident assurance. God will receive me. I have no doubt about it. So the, the word translated freedom, you could translate that boldness. The word that's translated confidence, this is a more relational term. It's, it, it's referring to um, when you're around someone and you have this complete sense of trust and openness with them. Let me ask you, do, do, you have, do you have any friends that you feel like you could be completely open with them? You could just be yourself. You don't have to impress them. You, you, you're not afraid of them judging you. Do you have, do you have friends like that? Just, you can just be yourself around them. The apostle's saying that, listen, that's the way you can feel about God when you come to him through Christ. Just, I don't have to impress him at all. He's not, he's not here to condemn me or judge me. I can just kick off my shoes and lay back on the couch, and I'm with someone who loves me, loves me dearly. That's the idea of that word. So one author uh, says about this verse, the believer's confidence is the assurance of a ready welcome, an open hearing, and a wise, loving response from God, which is all possible through faith in the Lord Jesus. I don't know, it might be that today you're just feeling kind of distant from God. Maybe you're a Christian, maybe you're not. That's not what I'm talking about. But you're just feeling kind of distant. Maybe you're just even feeling that God's disappointed with you. You're kind of afraid to draw near Him. You know, you know what this passage would say to you? God wants to take that fear, that reticence, completely away. Through Jesus Christ, just through simple faith in Him, you can approach God with freedom, with confidence. He loves you. He's forgiven you. He welcomes you. Would you agree that's really good news? And it's for everybody. So God's grace is offered to all people. God's grace unites us as one people. And God's, God's grace saves us through one person, His Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the amazing truth of the, of the gospel. Sometimes we, uh, we, f we forget how wonderful it is. And I pray that today as we gather around your table, that for each one of us, in whatever way we need this to happen, that you would just cause certain aspects of the gospel to shine for us. We would see the glory of Christ, the beauty of his grace, the, the depth of his love, the, the freedom and, of knowing that our sins are gone, that we would see your love for the world, your love for our neighbors, God, that we would see the gospel and rejoice in it today. In Christ's name, amen.